The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? to cancel too soon the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less and oh my god the cat is on the kitchen counter already you know we we recently had somebody approach us on twitter uh asking that one that we do a special episode perhaps only for our patreon subscribers where we just do a a play-by-play of the cats fighting yeah we don't talk about tv we don't talk about movies the the cats don't actually fight for like extended periods it's not a boxing match it's going um and then it stops welcome to cancel too soon uh, the TV yeah, series yeah. where we review TV series that last one season or less. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic for the internet, and I am single-handedly trying to drain the world's supply of T-Java. Uh, and who are you? Uh, my name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and IGN and criticallyacclaimed.net. Everybody calls me Bibs, and uh, it is the end. It is the end of our big September theme month. We call it Suddenly Last Season. And we review a bunch of TV shows that didn't last more than one season last season. Mm. So these are the most recent televised failures. Yeah, rem- remember, there's no shortage of failure, as, as we say in the theme song, this... the history of television, a history of failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, every single season, it's amazing how many of these just sort of slip past us. It's like we have to look up lists as to what was what what had been canceled, and there were shows that we had never even heard of before. Some of them I'm glad we did, uh, because I really enjoyed Blood Drive. Blood Drive was a hoot. Blood mm. Drive was a real treat. I liked it a lot. Um, and uh, for the last episode of Suddenly Last Season, our Patreon subscribers got to pick. Mm. Uh, every month, at least one episode of Cancel Too Soon or one of its bonus episodes is selected by our Patreon subscribers by a vote um, and uh, and fittingly enough, by vote, you picked <laughs> <laughs> a politically charged uh, mm. comedy. Amongst the options were Everything Sucks and Gypsy and I'm trying to remember what the other one was. More than anything, I'm just surprised that people didn't flock around Everything Sucks because that was the one I had heard the most about. Everyone said it was it was a super. Listen, we we everyone said it was a super big deal. I remember last year everyone said you guys got to review Pitch, so we reviewed Pitch, and Pitch ended up being one of the better shows that we've reviewed. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we were we were like, oh. I guess everyone's going to vote for Everything Sucks. <laughs> Simple, easy. Uh, no, you voted for a sitcom that not a lot of people watched. Um, but I had an interesting experience watching it, and I'm really glad mm. I got an opportunity to explore The Mayor. Turns out it's super easy to run for mayor. Don't be a felon. And I'll go to trials next year. Just playing my I love you. I found you the best staffers in the county. That's actually really impressive. I'm really glad you said that. You couldn't have done it without our generous donors. Mastercard, Yeezy. What? It's Yeezy's Visa. So let's get back to work fixing our city. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just calling. The Mayor, series premiere Tuesday, October 3rd after Blackish on ABC. 
Okay, I don't know what the hell is going on in that that bumper. <laughs> it's it, some bumpers with, are better for radio with, than with, others. With the visuals, I'm sure it makes a lot more sense. Um, but because it didn't really make it clear, the premise of the mayor is a local rapper from oh, what's the name of the town? Fort Fort Gray. Fort Gray, California, a fictional town in Northern California. Uh, I'm guessing it's around Oakland, but it's kind of a rundown suburb of of San Francisco. Um, a local rapper, a young man, decides to just to boost his visibility and boost a, a record he's trying to sell, mm-hmm. decides to run for mayor. And this happens all the time. Almost every election, there's always like a couple of people mm. on the ballot and you know they're not going to win, but they're minor celebrities yeah, or, or, or or just local mm. people who just wanted to throw their name on there. Who yeah, knows? There's, but there's, There was a guy who uh, set up a shot, uh, like a table down on the promenade on the regular with all these political bumper stickers. And would pass out pamphlets about the sort of extreme left-wing politics that he was into. And he ended up, he was on the ballot every time I went in. Like, it didn't matter what we were voting for. Somehow he made his way onto the ballot. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's local guys who get onto local uh, races all the time. And the difference in the mayor is in the first episode, he ends up rather spontaneously, rather off the cuff Mm. at a debate, making a surprisingly big impression and getting voted mayor. And now this guy who had no actual desire to become mayor has to really do the job. Mm. He could have just resigned. He could have. It really would have been like fine. He would have gotten the publicity he wanted. Mm. But instead, he realizes that he can make a difference, and he tries to become the mayor, but he's still woefully inexperienced. So every episode mm. is him trying to solve a new local political problem and discovering that it's a lot harder than he, that it looked, but also discovering that mm. good intentions can, in fact, get you really, really far, provided that and, you don't lose your soul in the process. And uh, it's actually a, a very optimistic show, because very. it's about a man who is actually trying to do good in the world. It turns out he was doing this on on a LARF. He all of a sudden had all of this responsibility and actually knuckles under and tries to do his job well. Yeah. And starts to take it very seriously very early on. And uh, that's nice to see. It's it's Um, certainly the idea, I think, is actually the idea could have gone two ways. It could have been uh, really cynical and really stupid. In fact, when I first heard the premise, I assumed he was supposed to be like a famous hip-hop star. Mm. You know, like if Snoop Dogg had run for, for <laughs> okay. mayor and then he actually become mayor, mm. I can see that become, being a show and that could also, but that would be a very different tone than someone who was trying to be an up-and-comer and then having to redefine his life and yeah, redefine yeah, yeah. His, his goals and realizing that his uh, uh, purpose in life, if you want to get mm. high and mighty about it, uh, isn't necessarily to be an artist, but might be social service. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. There's certainly an optimistic streak in that. Uh, the uh, Mayor aired mm-hmm. on NBC. Let's get some of the backstory. ABC. I apologize. Thank it was on, you. Yeah, it was on ABC. Uh, it was created by uh, Jeremy Bronson, who... Uh, I'm not, I'm not. I think he's the one behind uh, God Friended Me, the new I, a new sitcom which actually just debuted. No, he's he's working on uh, All About the Washingtons next. That's the one. Oh, that is, right, right. And that is actually about a famous hip hop star and his wife goes into the business, mm. which makes it sound like a sitcom version of Empire. But uh, <laughs> he was also behind the Cancel Too Soon series Grandfathered. Mm. Um, and oh, with uh, with. Stamos. Yeah, and he's uh, and he's been a writer for shows like The Mindy Project, and he was Emmy nominated for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Okay, uh, the show ran from October third, uh, two thousand seventeen, through December twelfth, two thousand seventeen, and some of the other episodes were then burned off on Hulu, much like Emily's Reasons Why Not mm. or Selfie. The difference is, and I feel really bad about this. We try to review every single episode of every single show. Um, 
they don't offer all the episodes of the mayor anymore. The mayor is no longer on Hulu. The mm-hmm. mayor is no longer on the ABC website. There's actually like a watch button and uh, it's grayed out. So you can't watch it anymore. So, <laughs> so all we did had, you want to watch that? I did. I did. You? I did thank oh, you. Well, it's too bad. So it, it's available on YouTube uh, for, for a fee through, you know, the, through the YouTube server. Yeah. And uh, also on Amazon, but they only go up to 10 episodes and there were 13 in total. So we got to those 10. We've seen 10 episodes of this show. That, yeah. That's all that was available to us. We like to be completionists this time. This is as complete as we were able to get. Yeah. Uh, if they ever release the other episodes, uh, we will try to get to them. We've done that with Doubt. We owe you and of Kings and Prophets. Redux. Yeah, because they burned off a lot of those. Yeah. They finally released the rest of that series. So we're going to do that probably before the end of the year, maybe around Christmas time, because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's bible <laughs> And uh, anyway, uh, the show so, stars uh, Brandon Michael Hall as... Sorry, he's the one who's on God Friended Me. Yes, okay. he's he's on God Friended Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Michael Hall from Search Party and God Friended Me. He plays Courtney Rose. He plays the young rapper who becomes mayor. Mm-hmm. And, and he's young. He's like 22. And he looks it. And he's yeah. got a nice, like, youthful vitality to him. He's a very charming actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Leah Michelle from Glee and Scream Queens, co-starring as Valentina Barella, who is the... Who was actually a high school classmate of mm. Courtney Rose, but she actually went into politics on purpose and she actually knows how the, the city runs and so she's the one who's always telling him how to actually do things. How to get stuff completed and he... Mm-hmm. A lot of we'll, eye rolling we'll, in that performance. We'll get, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the structure in a second, but yeah. Uh, Courtney Rose's mother, Dina, is played by the great Yvette Nicole Brown from Community. She's great. She's so fucking she's, wonderful. She's the, she's the funniest part of the show, I think. I think that's a fair thing to say. Uh, City Councilman Ed Gunt, who was running for mayor and was defeated by Courtney Rose, is played by David Spade, who you know from being David Spade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been from around being, forever. Being a, being a smarmy jerk face. And and good at it sometimes. Uh, he is the best. He is one of the best smarmy jerk faces out there. Yeah. Yeah. If you want a smarmy jerk face mm-hmm. in your movie and you're not trying to like... You cast him in a super serious movie, it's going to be distracting. But if you have a comedy and you need a smarmy jerk face, David Spade walks on the screen. You're like, ah, smarmy jerk face. Hit him or one of the kids in the hall. We'll, we'll do it just fine. I've never met him in person. For all I know, he's a wonderful guy, but he plays smarmy he jerk plays smarmy face. Jer- I, yeah, I'm sure he's... Are, do you remember the kids in the hall sketch where David Foley had like the, the speech impediment that made him sound sarcastic? Oh yeah, oh like, yeah, I really, oh, I really want to talk to you. Talk to yeah. you. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be sarcastic. Oh, I'm not being sarcastic. I have a speech impediment, which is actually kind of an offensive sketch if you think about it. Mm. But the structure of it is sound. it's fine, yeah. and it's kind of him just giving David Space performances, uh, more or less. Um, and uh, finally, we have Courtney's two best friends, his entourage, if you will, who end up working at, uh, at City Hall, hall with yeah. him. Uh, we have TK. Clifton, played by Marcel Spears from the new show The Neighborhood. He's kind of the the kind of the dopey one, the silly, innocent, childlike one. Mm-hmm. And then we have Jermaine LaForge, played by Bernard David Jones from Shitty Boyfriends and Meet the Browns. It's a real show name, Shitty, Shitty Boyfriends. Boyfriends. I assume a, it's a web series, but right. I don't know. Um, and he plays a guy who's just kind of like his big thing is he's super stylish. That's it. <laughs> I that's, guess so, that's kind yeah. of his defining characteristic. He's always wearing the most interesting outfit in the room, but he actually does look good. Mm. That's his deal. 
Um, so yeah, uh, outside of the pilot, which establishes the premise, every episode is something in, t- in town needs to be fixed. The, There's the a mi- minor civic problem. Mm-hmm. Courtney has broad, wild solution that won't work. Yeah, they call it overpromising. Val, That's yeah, what he does. Yeah, Val says you can't do it that way. He tries it his way. It doesn't work. He finds a compromise between his way and Val's way, and it works in the end, and he learns a little bit. That's every episode. Pretty much. Except for the Christmas episode. Which I did like. Uh, the Christmas episode has the biggest laugh in the show, and we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're talking about the end? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, sting, <laughs> the, the stinger at the end of the Christmas episode is, is, is a wonderful joke. It's a wonderful joke. So the first episode, uh, we meet Courtney Rose, and this is one of those pilots where they have to basically do the first act of a film Mm-hmm. And also the second and third act in the first episode. You have to set up the premise. You have to get everyone there, and mm-hmm. you have to introduce a problem, and you have to solve it within one episode. Of, so a thirty-minute sitcom. Yeah. So a lot goes down here, but the gist of it is uh, there's a mayoral election for Gray. Uh, Courtney Rose is part of this like puff piece on the news about this wacky guy who's mm. running for mayor and he says some some funny lines ha ha he's not gonna win then we see the debate between him and david spade in which david spade is 100 percent right he's unprepared and unqualified mm. but he he is able to effectively mock his opponent mm-hmm. in a way that makes him seem confident and, and assured well what he actually ends up doing is mm. david spade is a very at, at least over the course of the series, David Spade is revealed to be way more sinister and corrupt than he first appeared. Mm. But initially, he just seems like a political pragmatist. Right. He's like, look, this is really, really hard right now. We have to pick our battles. Uh, we're you, not going to be able to... You know he's a dick because he's David Spade, though. <laughs> True. But, like, he could have been playing against type. He's not, but yeah. he could have been. So in the first episode, he's just saying, yeah, listen, we don't really have the resources to, like, clean up this part of town. And Courtney Rose happened to bike past there on his way to the to the hmm. thing and he's like he, no, he doesn't drive by the way yeah, that's, he, that's one of his shticks he, he bicycles bikes. and yeah he's just like what are you talking about that place is a mess and everyone loves it and if I was mayor I'd clean that up and he starts getting people really excited oh. because the thing that I like about stories about local politics stories about hmm. international politics are usually really Big. They have to be about <laughs> nuclear war and and like huge amounts of strife. Mm. Local politics is the politics of getting stuff done. Well, it, it's about civics and what I found to be about what I found about the mayor that I actually really appreciated and probably why it failed is because it's a really entertaining lesson in local civics. Yes. Um, it, it it's just it's a, a sitcom has the usual amount of sitcom laughs, maybe a little bit more <laughs> than your average, but. It it's re- never less than amiable. It's never less than amiable, totally approachable. And yet every single plot involves around the stuff you hate to think about when you're in the fifth grade. Like, <laughs> like having to go to city council meetings and worrying about budgets to cover, you know, put a cover over a bus bench, you know, mm-hmm. thing, things you, that are just sort of part of the landscape. Well, you- Somebody had to put a lot of thought and energy into that. And you, as a young person want to take it for granted because it's boring to think about otherwise. I think a lot of young people, I think a lot of adults Mm. take that for granted. They think it's just like, oh yeah, you're just going to fix all the potholes. Okay, but that's easy to say, but then you need to hire people to do it. You need mm. to locate all the plot potholes. It, there's a reason all it that doesn't... city planning is there's, difficult. There's a reason everything doesn't get done. People have to prioritize. There's a, there's a good episode in which... Um, there's going to be a bus driver strike, mm-hmm. and uh, Courtney Rose wants to please everybody, and Lee Michelle has to explain to him, you're a politician. If someone isn't disappointed, you're probably not doing your job, because <laughs> you have to make tough calls. Yeah, you have to you know, split differences, make compromises you don't want to make, and... Mm-hmm. 
I, I love the way that episode ended because no one was happy, mm-hmm. but he solved every problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, the the biggest problems got solved, and that's the best you can he's, do sometimes. He's the mayor we deserve. So he gets elected mayor. Leah Michelle, who was working with uh, uh, David Spade, uh, decides to work with him because, mm. she, at least at first, she's a bit of an opportunist. He's the mayor. He's going to crash and burn unless someone keeps an eye on him. She might as well be that person. Yeah. So she does. Um, and his first order of business is to clean up that part of town. That he promised you. It's, yeah, it's like a local public park. I think. And uh, his, the whole thing is, his idea is, listen, we can't afford to pay a lot of people to do it. We'll turn it into a party. We'll turn mm-hmm. it into a public event. It's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. We're just get people in the community around. We give everybody free drinks and stuff. And everyone pitches in to clean up this part of town. Fine, That's fine. A, it's a good idea. The only trick is you need to get permits for that kind of party. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, okay. And he does. And everyone's <laughs> like, wow, this is great. He's doing really awesome. But then because of his notoriety, he gets a call and says, hey, you you want a headline at a local uh, rap mm. club tonight? And he says, "Well, yes, I'm. I'm still fame hungry." So he does it, but he takes the permit with him, and the whole thing gets shut down, and nothing gets cleaned. Mm. So he completely fucks up. Mm. And, and in true sitcom fashion, he sort of knuckles under and kind of does the whole job himself. Yeah, with some kids. Can, can you imagine, <laughs> like, the mayor of Los Angeles? Well, I guess mayor of Los Angeles does do that, but yeah, uh, just we have to have a, we, nearest I can tell, we have a pretty decent mayor. We're a pretty right decent now. mayor, but uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so he ends up doing it himself, proving he's a decent guy, proving he's going to try, just realizing that this mm. needs, this is important. There's a funny joke at the end where Lee Michelle's like, great, all we got to do is do this for the next four years. He's like, this lasts four years? <laughs> he didn't even know. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe at this point we should address the elephant in the room. Yes. Um, the mayor is a direct criticism of Donald Trump. Uh, it's it's premise is based directly on Donald Trump, and the pilot is based directly on Donald Trump. Uh, the 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 showrunner uh, had said that that was an influence, uh, but he also desperately tried to distance himself from it. Well, and you can tell them backing off from as many Trump jokes as they can. Yes, like they they make a couple. But generally speaking, yeah. they're not. But yeah, this is the story of someone who in the ran pl- for public office, who was unqualified, mm-hmm. but who, jazzed who, up a base. And, and using bluster and insulting his opponent in order to do it, mm-hmm. to sort of stumble his way into office. And I can't help but look at the mayor and think of it as a lesson to the president. Well, I think it's a like, lesson he, to... Here, here's, here's, some civic, here's some basic civics that you can wrap your head around, <laughs> Mr. Trump. Watch this show and you might be able to figure something out. It feels like a rebuke of everything that's going on in Washington. I, I feel like the mayor, like if it had been a movie, there mm. are two ways this could have gone. It could have been completely insufferable and terrible, or it could have been legitimately Capra-esque. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way that they're trying to go with a sitcom more than anything else, which is really kind of earnest and hopeful. You look at something like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is kind of the same way. It's about a guy who is not a career politician who it's ends funny. up getting who ends up getting assigned a Senate seat because there's a vacancy. And just through wanting to do the right thing, he does the right thing. Mm. But his inexperience is a serious problem and it gets in the way and it nearly screws everyone over. It's the same well, basic pe- pe- idea. In in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, it's more about people taking advantage of him than it is about his naivete getting him in trouble. But if his na- but if he wasn't as naive, they wouldn't have been able to that, take advantage yeah, well, that's of him. That's the issue. So, you know, it, ultimately it's a story about how politics is not far from you. Mm-hmm. Politics is just people. The problem is when politics get really insular and they forget about the people, which yeah, is why we yeah. need a constant influx of new, young voices mm-hmm. who haven't been jaded by the system and who are actually eager to create change. Mm-hmm. 
That's a good message. I I just read that book, Democracy in Chains, and now I'm cynical about and suspicious of everything. (laughs) It's like such a dark book. Listen, there's a lot to be cynical about in politics. And I think that's actually worth talking about as well, because Mm. maybe a show that was positive about politics was a problem Mm. when the mayor came out, because a lot of a lot of the world was cynical about the cynical political state of the world. Uh, Was? Is is currently and still. Have you been paying attention to the news this week? Uh, Or today? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Jesus. It's really bad out there. And I think, however, that there is a place for both. I remember when Brooklyn Nine-Nine was briefly canceled. And thank thank goodness it's coming back because I think it's one of the best shows on TV. Um, There were a lot of people who were really upset because it's a great show. But there were also some people who criticized it by saying Brooklyn Nine-Nine is an irresponsible show because it portrays the police department as a successfully, uh, positively, racially integrated mm. well, group of people who um, who mean well and are not corrupt. Several bisexual characters on that show. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. great. And here's the thing. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is not representative <laughs> it is aspirational. Yeah, it's what it yeah. should be. This is what well, it and, should be like. And and that's why I think they chose a fictional town to set the mayor in. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't want to make any sort of like real life comments on real politics. They were able to sort. And it's it's a, a town that's far enough away from the rest of the world that you can convince yourself that there is this town you've never heard of, that mm-hmm. this kind of thing might be going on. And they're kind of such a rinky-dink town that their problems are never major and never, like, sort of are touched by the national uh, politic. Right. Except one where the... The governor the shows governor up. shows Well, let's up. move on to the second episode. It's called The Filibuster, and here the, the mm. Mr. Smith goes to Washington and mm. comes right in. Uh, Courtney visits an elementary school, uh, and the elementary school, he finds out, they're losing their music program. And the music program is the thing that kept him out of trouble. Mm. Like when, he he knows, was, when he was a kid. Yeah, he knows that if he didn't have music, mm. he, he would have done other things with his time, and they might not have been wholesome, and it would have been bad. So he decides... He immediately overpromises. I'm going to save the music program. I'm going to get you new instruments, a huge sound system. And Lee Michelle's like, no, 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 no. We don't have the budget. We don't have the budget. And so it ends up becoming like that scene from the movie Dave, another really hopeful, mm. uh, normal guy becomes politician movie, where in order to do the right thing, you basically just have to chip away at the budget. Yeah. That's yeah. the episode is chipping away at the budget. <laughs> That's I, it. I love that scene in Dave. Dave is good movie. He's just writing down all the numbers. Okay, well, take some of this, and we don't need that money, so we'll put like, that in. This ad campaign <laughs> is kind of superfluous. We yeah. don't really need that. And then now we can save this youth center. And everyone's like, yay, why don't we do that more often? <laughs> because these are movies. I know. They don't ever do that. <laughs> I know. It's a fantasy. So, yeah, so Courtney's first big act in office, like besides cleaning up a park, he mm. wants to save this music program. But, yeah, there's just no budget. And he's trying to kind of get people psyched up to help by doing, like, live Instagram videos. But it's just, like, budget meeting. That's all he knows is, yeah, yeah, Instagram photos and drumming up online, his his online presence. But... Budget meetings aren't sexy. There's actually a bit where they're in the PowerPoint presentations. Like, do you have a more exciting slide to show us? You bet I do. This one's a pie chart. <laughs> Lee Michelle's like, ooh. I, well, but I like is that this one's a pie chart and he skips past like six slides. It's like all these boring charts. Wait, hang on, hang on. Look, I have a pie chart. <laughs> Um, and he ends up pulling like this big thing about all the kids come in and everyone's just like, ooh, kids. And then David Spade can't really say no to the budget proposal. Well, and so, I, I yeah. love that you know David Spade is still a council member and he has he, he actually has a lot more power 
than you think he's going to, and the mayor has a lot less power than you think he's going to. So this is yeah. not the mayor guy, doesn't get to do whatever yeah, he, he, he wants. He's not calling all of the shots again. Rebuking Trump, who thinks he can do anything he wants. Yeah, I think this is sort of a little lesson. No, politicians. Well, it's a it's a big team effort, and everybody has to sort well, of work together, even if you hate each the other. The irony is that in the mayor, there are checks and balances on power, as mm. opposed to someone just enabling everything he says he wants to do. Right. Politics. Politics. Sorry, we're just paying attention. All I, listen, right. It's, they, it's a political show, and I, I wouldn't be bringing it up if it weren't in the show. Yeah, we, yeah. This is very explicitly about that, mm. and we have our views. Mm. Next episode is called Buyer's Remorse. Well, I, actually, before we move oh, yeah. on, um, it, it's in this episode where uh, something begins that, again, it's it's not incredibly interesting, but I'm glad they included it in the show, and that's the notion of civic pride mm. and how uh, Courtney is starting to find himself really attached to things he grew up with in the community that he had taken, taken uh, granted f- before and how personal it is to him. And how much he really is a child of this city. And I think that's something you don't get unless you talk to your, lo- your local politicians who grew up locally and who are really familiar with your local community mm-hmm. and who are actually interested in preserving something that's very dear to them. We think of politics, we think of politics on a national level. And yeah, like, like you said, it's not that personal. And I think when you get down to mayoral candidates, especially in smaller towns, they're going to be talking more and more about the community itself and people they knew and things that helped them grow up. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's going to continue throughout the series. These things that they were really fond of as children that they're trying to preserve. And that's a really and they're good trying, thing. They're to... either trying to preserve it, uh, even though that's not necessarily smart, or update it in a, like an, in an important way. Well, and I think that's really, really great that we're seeing that from the perspective of young people. Typically, mm. when we talk about oh, the way things used to be, that's, we think yeah, about yeah. old characters and stories mm. like this. This is this these guys are in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And, they, and things have changed since they were kids, like in the last the way, decade. That's the way the world works mm-hmm. now. But they actually do really love where they're from, and they do want to yeah, make it do. better. And I think that's really, really I, great. I, I appreciate that streak of civic pride, even though it's an imaginary town. Well, and I, I wish I had known more about the city. We don't get to know a lot about. We probably would have over time. But Fort we know Clay, it, what was we it? Know, Fort Gray. <laughs> Fort Gray. It's a very working class city. And that's something mm-hmm. that comes into play in the next episode, mm-hmm. uh, which is Buyer's Remorse. Uh, the mayor's approval ratings are in the toilet. Yeah. Like, they're 23%. Mm. Trump. <laughs> As you recall, right after, mm. the, the approval ratings were very, very low. Mm. It, it feels kind of on the nose. But There's so many parallels. But he, mm. uh, uh, Courtney Rose, decides, well, we need to do something. We need to do something tangible to get people's spirits up and make them see that we're making a difference. And he realizes that most of the people, like like 60% of the city uses public transportation. Yeah. But it rains a lot in this particular mm. California town. I guess it's in Northern California because yeah, we're in Southern they, California they, and it doesn't. They've only said, they only said Northern California. That's the only geographic hint we ever get. Yeah. It's in Northern California somewhere. And uh, he says, well, you know what we can do? We can keep people dry on their way to work by covering the bus benches. Mm. And it wouldn't be too expensive. It's something that we could do, but we'll need it's, to get it's support. It's a little thing people will will probably notice. And he decides to drum up support for that, but he's really, 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 really bad at it. He goes on this local show uh, that's about local politics, and he immediately, immediately embarrasses himself mm. by like, what is it? Does he say like he didn't vote or something? Or uh, he, he said that he was like really just cynical about politics in general. Yeah, like he like doesn't he doesn't believe in the office. Yeah, he 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 makes himself look even worse than ever before. But in the end, he makes the bus benches. 
<laughs> That's kind of it, isn't it? That's kind of the whole. Well, episode. I mean, we, we, we kind of covered sort of his arc as he goes, and it's it, it's kind of a struggle. But you know, by now he's kind of entrenched. Mm-hmm. And I like shows like this because. I like episodic shows like this because we kind of get to start from scratch at the beginning of every episode. And it's only if you're sort of watching them all at once the way we did that you actually get to see the change over the course of the season. Yeah, it's actually a pretty organic mm. uh, uh, evolution. How, how, how he actually is much more professional and civic-minded by the end of the first season than he was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. But in each individual episode, you get to see, oh, he, he's a complete screw-up at the start, mm. and he learns a little lesson by the end. Well, he also learns a lesson about the, a par- partisan politics in this, because in previous episodes, David Spade was trying to get in his way because... Because you just you know, didn't like him. Well, no, not because he doesn't mm. like him, because there are legitimate budget oh, concerns. Well, yeah, yeah. And and here he says, I'm opposing the bus bench initiative, mm. not because it's a bad idea. It's actually a really good idea, mm. but I don't like you. And mm. if I prevent you from doing anything good, then I will be elected in the next mayoral election. Mm. Also yeah, something that's in the Trump era, as you may have heard. <laughs> if we can just prevent you mm. from putting someone on the Supreme Court, we get to put someone on the Supreme Court. Mm. We just have to outlast it. Um, and he ends up actually solving what, one of the many ways he solves this problem with David Spade is he puts a billboard up of him like with his hand his on arm David's, around David Spade's Spade shoulder. Saying, Bus benches, it's a good thing, right? David Spade's just like you put words in my mouth, but I can't. Everybody wants this, so screw you. Now I have to support yeah, it. Now I'm on board because it's better for my image. Mm. Politics. <laughs> Well, you know what? Pretending a dick is a good person so you get something done, it seems like everybody wins there. Yeah, really? Like, you know, like, politics is about, mostly, about what do you accomplish? Is what Mm. you accomplish good? You know, as long as you're not a monster on that path. Mm. Yeah. Uh, The next episode, I am a sucker for any show with a Halloween episode. (laughs) Any show with a Halloween episode, I give you an extra bonus point. It might not be enough to put you over the edge, but I love Halloween episodes, and I love that we got one right away. Uh, Halloween in Fort Gray is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids don't really. In a lot of urban communities, and, and, and a lot of urban communities, the yeah, police are home, police are stretched really thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hometown was like there was a there was a shooting on Halloween night geez. in like the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Sadly, people <gasps> I died. Think I remember that? Yeah, destroyed Halloween for the for for the rest for the rest of the town forever. Jeez, like it just okay. almost no one celebrated it. It was considered in dramatically poor taste. Mm. So crime rates frequently do go up on Halloween. Sometimes really bad things happen. Y- usually it's is, just like, you know, shoplifting and petty crimes. But yeah, some violent crimes too. But the youthful naivete of Courtney and his, his, his crew, friends, yeah. they're young. They love Halloween. They see Fort Gray as a very positive place. And they see that the... That, police stepping up their presence in Halloween as a very negative thing that makes everyone feel really bad about Mm. the community. But then when he talks to the police chief, she says, no, we have to do that because there's a lot of crime on Halloween night. So he decides to put his faith in the community and he reallocates the police to to look after City Hall and he turns City Hall into a place where all the kids in town can congregate safely and have a Mm. nice fun Halloween and his mom plans it because his mom is is, really good at planning Halloween parties. 
is really freakishly good at Halloween parties. Like he like shows up and like she's faked her own murder scene just to just to trick him and his friends. Like with squibs and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. it's really fucking funny. We have not had enough to say about mm. uh, uh, Yvette Nicole Brown yet. She is <laughs> so goddamn funny on this show. The, the, we we skipped over a subplot she had where she was taking along. Uh, oh god, one of one of the friends. Uh, TK. Um, T- she was taking TK around the city and it was like there were all these problems and like holes in the streets and little local things and he's like yeah that is a problem and she's trying to teach him this is your job you do this now you fix all these and, things and he, yeah he, he like he was so thick that he just could, wasn't absorbing it and he, it wasn't until he like he stepped in a pot and was like wow somebody at City Hall should hey wait a minute <laughs> I'm at City Hall. Yeah, we've had like seven scenes where we're supposed to have that epiphany moment, oh. and it just doesn't sink in <laughs> before it finally does. It's really yeah. funny. Um, and I think TK is the one who dresses as a fidget spinner in the Halloween episode. Uh, no, I think I think that's Jermaine. But yeah, oh, okay. one thing I love in Halloween episodes on TV shows is that all the costumes for the protagonists are usually cleverer than they would be in real life. Mm-hmm. Well, because you can't do licensed characters on a TV show. Gen- it's well, Sometimes it, sometimes you can if you're like an ABC character. You, but you fudge it. There was an episode of Community where they dressed up as Calvin and Hobbes. That worked. Uh, that's kind of cute. But, yeah. But uh, I'm not even sure how present Calvin and Hobbes is anymore. Well, people people, people well, recognize people, it. Well, people our age recognize it, but I, the kids read Calvin and Hobbes. I don't know. It's, it's, been, it's been out of paper. It needs if, to be. Remember funny papers? <laughs> there needs to be like a massive surge in republication for Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. I think like, well, they, they've done you like, know, anthologies. Well, a new one. When was the last time they put out There it is. You have one right down there. Yeah, I love that collection. It's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so one of them dresses as a fidget spinner and you can like spin the front of him and uh, it's really, really great. And that, there's a scene later though where he has to, he's like backing into a room, like beating people away saying, stop spinning me! <laughs> you like, monsters! It was, it was too clever a costume and all the kids <laughs> want to spin it and he's like, ah, get away! Love it. I love all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the party is a huge success. The problem is the town fills with crime because mm. the mayor just announced the police won't be around. <laughs> like a moron. So he ends up having to admit the, the chief of police had a point mm. and they, he realizes he can't do that anymore. But the coda at the end, because he's really feeling terrible mm. and he should. That's another thing I like is when characters can feel shame when they've done something wrong, especially when yeah. someone else's lives and livelihoods well, are may- on the line. Maybe that's why we're reacting to this, because Courtney has a conscience, yeah. and it's rare we see that in so many shows. I mean, mm-hmm. We just did Blood Drive, where nobody has a conscience. Well, like one character, has nobody a has a conscience. That's yeah, one of the reasons yeah. why I always kind of rejected it a little bit. It's just they're all terrible people. It's brilliantly yeah. written. I don't want to hang out with them, mm-hmm. so I can only handle it in like little bursts, like occasional episode. I can deal with it. But yeah, he has a conscience, and he's feeling really, really terrible about what he's done. But then the parents of all the kids who came to City Hall showed up to him and said, "You did something really nice for our kids. You did something really tangible. You, you thought about our kids, which yeah. mayors never do. They were able to have a safe and happy Halloween, and he realizes that this is great. And so he decides to form a committee of neighborhood parents to see like what can we do in practical, pragmatic terms to make mm-hmm. raising kids better in town." Again, great. This is the kind of civic crap you don't want to think about when you're a kid. It's like, so I ha- I'm going to grow up and I'm going to join a local committee and have meetings. Like it's, it sounds so boring when well, you're a like, kid. Remember when like you were a kid and people were running for like class president and they're mm. saying things like, "Yeah, the the water fountains will be converted into soda and there'll be no more study hall." And I'm like, you know, you literally can't do that. <laughs> like you actually have no power whatsoever. Mm. You can maybe throw a pizza. Oh party like that's yeah, the I'll, most they're gonna let you do i'll say this i never paid any attention not one second of attention to any of my school's 
presidents or class right? runs. I had never had any reason to appeal to them. It meant nothing. I, if I wanted something done at the school, I could only ever go to the adults. Yeah. The, 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 the school class presidents is for ambitious kids to put on their resumes. And if you're one of those kids that ran for class president, good for you. Yeah, no worries. That actually takes a lot of work, and I admire that you did it. But when I was a kid, I was really cynical about it, and I apologize for my previous assholery, as in all things. And I think, and I think it's one of those things where you see that your class president has mm. no real power and doesn't really get to yeah, do anything, yeah. and you think that's how it translates. Or you think that if you get to be president or a senator or a governor or something, that you just get to do whatever the hell you want. And this sort of show, in a light, cheerful mm. way, reminds it's, you that... Uh, it's harder that than you think. It's harder and easier. It's hard mm. to do the big stuff. The easier stuff, just community outreach, mm. well, and, and that sort of thing can be done, and it has, it might seem small, but it has a ripple effect. And, and if you are active and attentive, and you have a lot of good ideas, if you're in a position of power, you can put those ideas into effect. Yeah. Uh, the next episode is called The Strike. This is the episode with the public transportation strike. Um, I and on it. And uh, uh, Courtney Rose hears everything that uh, the bus driver's union wants. And he says, that's great. Let's give it to him. We don't have the money for literally any of that. Hmm. What else can we well, do? Well, and and uh, they even admit that later in the episode that they ask, they're asking for more than they think they can get. Yeah. And like, he's trying to give them the more that they think they can get. But yeah. yeah. Uh, but but uh, they end up going on strike. And again, this is a town where over half the population takes public transit. Mm. Everything falls to shit in basically a day. And, and he, he think and his temporary solution is, hey, I'll just drive people around. And, and <laughs> well, his, he tries and to his encourage mu- ride sharing. Yeah. And, but like free, like mm. Uber, but free. If you see someone walking, offer them a ride. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> That's a terrible it's idea. It's a really terrible idea. And his mom, who works as a post office uh, employee, mm, yeah. she delivers the mail. She's just like. You're a scab. <laughs> you're crossing the picket line, that's, you dummy. You're that's the mayor you, and you're scabbing. Dude, you yeah. can't do that. And so he ends up realizing that he can't please everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. And he does his best. He does and in his, the end, he, everyone's he gives, kind of pissed, but he, the problem is solved. He gives a big press conference. He says, here's my solution. They're going to get half of what they want. They're going to get half of what they want. Nobody's happy. And that's a great coda. It's a great solution mm-hmm. to everything because he does solve everyone's problems in a way they don't like. Yeah. I don't know, and that's what a lot of politics is. It's great. Uh, the next episode is called oh, well, "Will You well Put Together." The next episode is called "Will You Accept This Rose?" And this is the one where he realizes, and you'll notice, and this is actually really interesting. Hmm. We're what six, seven episodes into the show now. Uh huh. No romantic subplots. I was happy for that until it happened. Well, uh, but was... then it happened and explained why it's not happening. And I appreciated that. At Th- the they explained the... why it's not happening, but it, it's not something this show needed to do. And I think I think they addressed sort of an elephant in the room and that mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's a well, red-blooded he's... human. He he has romantic interests he's, he's, and ideas. Yeah, he's, he's a young, horny guy. He's attracted to the people around him. Mm-hmm. He needs to... Yeah. He, well, he wants to date. So, like, at the end of the previous episode, mm-hmm. the lawyer for the bus driver's union... Gives him his number, and at the beginning of this next episode, they're on a date. It's going okay. However, over the course of his typical civic duties, he runs into a girl he had a crush on in high school. Mm. She is now a local weather person. She's still very attractive, and she basically asks him out, and he cancels on a date with the lawyer to go out with the weather person, Mm. not realizing that she only wants to be associated with him for fame. Yeah. Um, And he realizes that he is completely screwed up, and... uh, he tries to get back together with a lawyer. They agree to date some more, but she's never seen mm. again because the show didn't last too long. Mm. Um, but yeah, basically, 
dating is complicated when you're in a position of power and or fame and he gets a really short microcosm of that mm. and then it never there's Which, nothing else there's another, no romantic tension with Leah Michelle there's nothing another sweet movie the American president oh, yeah. about a president who wants to date it, it's not how it sort of starts a romance, but you're president. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's super duper mm. mega complicated. I need to revisit I, that one. I remember not loving it when I was a kid, but mm. I was a kid. Yeah. Like, I, I, I well, wasn't it's, really it's, interested. It's, a, it's in about it. a grown up romance. It's yeah. not a sort of young love. I liked it fine, but mm. I think I, I think I owe it another uh, mm. another approach. Um, the next episode is Here Comes the Governor. In this episode, the governor comes. Mm. Here. Oh, and the governor is played, uh, played by notable guest star. Uh, Biff Tannen <laughs> from uh, uh, Freaks and Geeks fan. Oh, uh, I always forget his name. Uh, you know, oh, you, okay, hang on, hold on. Someone <laughs> is yelling at us right oh, now. Oh, no, I know his name. Okay, hang he's, on, hang on. He's a on. really funny guy, Biff actually. He's really, he's actor. Really approachable. This is, we're not even going to edit this out. We're just going to mm. admit we're kind of dumb we're and we forgot dumb. who this uh, is. Just, it's a brain. Look, I got Thomas F. Wilson. Thomas F. Wilson. Uh, Thomas F. Wilson. Tom Wilson, yeah, um, yeah. He plays the governor. Tom Wilson has a really he has a, a music career and he has a really funny song called The Question and yeah. it's all about all the dumb questions he gets about the Back to the Future movies. Oh, that's fun. I didn't know that. I'll just look that up. Anyway, he plays the governor and he's coming to Fort Gray and he's basically coming for a photo op with this mayor who's mm-hmm. a minor celebrity. They go out skeet shooting and Courtney decides with his friends they're going to take the governor on a tour of all the great oh, the local locals. local interest yeah. yeah all the great local why is Fort Gray awesome why we should try mm. to invest more in it and and clean things up and he ends up not doing that and his friends feel like he's betrayed him but he does convince the governor to uh, clean up a clean up a local lake that's very polluted mm. so he's feeling like he's he's made a win problem is Courtney then is in trouble because a rap video he made when he was young and in high school mm. is basically about how politics suck and no one should yeah. vote. I think that the title of the song was Don't Vote. And, yeah. and he made it when he was 16. He was really bitter. And again, lessons to people in charge right now. <laughs> if something comes up in your past and you, and you did it, this is what this is how you handle it. You say that is how I felt at the time. This is what I did. Uh-huh. I've done as well as I can to become a better person now. But mm-hmm. this is a, a blot on my record, and I accept the consequences. And depending on how bad it is, that mm-hmm. may be okay, or uh, you might just need to back the fuck or, down. Or, yeah, you're, or you, you might, or you just you might, might be, be done. You <laughs> like might be that done. Be, that's it. In this case, he made a somewhat controversial music mm-hmm. video that no one gave a crap about at the time because he was 16. But now mm-hmm. he's a mayor, and uh, the governor doesn't want to get involved. Doesn't want he's distancing himself. He he says, said, and he says, and the, the governor go- says, if you apologize, uh-huh. everything's cool. I'll give you your funding if you apologize. And Courtney decides that he's just going to apologize. But his friends are like, no, you can't. That's mm. that's who we were. That's who what we are. We were defending our town. We were mad and because we- politics was failing us. They, they even have this bit where they take him to where a community center was going to be built like mm-hmm. 10 years ago and there's been no movement on it for 10 years. Yeah, it's still so not it's like there. still coming, a community center. And this was supposed to be the thing that they promised us. This was the Nothing's symbol happened. of hope. We looked at that when we were 16 and said, this is not going to do anything and lo, it proved to be true. Yeah. So our cynicism in, when we were 16 was warranted. So Courtney ends up giving a press conference where he says, I was going to apologize but I'm not because mm. that's how I felt at the time. I was very cynical about it, and I think my cynicism wasn't unwarranted. But now that I am actually mayor, I'm in a position to do something about it, and that is the lesson that I have learned. Mm. I'm not apologizing for how I felt as a teenager, but I am trying to do better now. Mm. And it works. The governor says he'll clean up that lake. That's mm. a positive way to handle that. Yep, it's good stuff. 
Uh, the next episode is called Monuments Man. That is an episode where uh, Corny finds out that the uh, rap club he's been going to his whole life gave him his first time on stage. He's been there for many, 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 many years. Yeah, and, uh, he, and he wants to have it protected as a local landmark because it's about to close down. Yeah. And the problem is, initially, and he's, he's 100% right about this, David Spade stops him initially because he's actually using his political power to help a private citizen and mm. a private... Uh, uh, private business. A private business. And, and that is the it, definition of corruption. Says, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up on corruption charges. You can't do that. And he's like, oh crap. Okay, all right. I'll have to find some other way to help. And he realizes that it used to be a place where the Black Panther Party met. And he mm-hmm. realized that's an important part of history. And so he invites everyone come down to City Hall. Let's meet in front of the City Council. Let's show people all our support for this business. And everyone shows up. People from you know all communities, mm-hmm. uh, and they just say. Yeah, they caused riots, and we actually didn't like it, and we'd rather have a Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then but, uh, uh, Courtney ends up appealing to kind of everyone's better nature because everyone has a spot like that that they care about. And he talks about David Spade's mm. culture. He's, I think, Swiss or he, Dutch. He, he's, he's Danish, I believe. Danish. Yeah. And, uh, like, there's only one you, restaurant you in town that makes the traditional food. Your family changed your name to Gunt. Yeah, it used to be, like, Gunter Anderson. Or, yeah. yeah. Stole that joke from Robin Hood Men in Tights. You changed it to Latrine, mm. but whatever. <laughs> Robin Hood Men in Tights is the extreme version of that joke. Still. Yeah. Um... But yeah, and he ends and, up making all, everyone realize that, you know, history even, isn't selective. Yeah, history. Even dirty history should still be remembered. Exactly. And he ends up saving it. I'm actually mixed on this. I think it's possible that it's okay to say that businesses should be allowed to fail. But mm. he drums up support and people want it, and that's great. Mm. And certainly it is a historical site. So so there you go. But like, It, it would have been perfect if at the end of it he had saved the building. Uh-huh. It's like, this is going to stay open. And then the owner, who was really kind of bitter about how it had been failing for so long, leaves anyway. That would have been That, that would have been, been the, the perfect end. Yeah. Um, they don't do that, but you know. Yeah. Uh, the next episode, and I think it's... It's probably the best episode. Is mm-hmm. Gray Christmas? <laughs> uh, it's it's this it's a this a wonder this wonderful it's a wonderful life episode. Yeah, and that's uh, always that's always fun. Mm-hmm. My favorite take on the It's a Wonderful Life episode mm-hmm. is always the Married with Children version mm-hmm. because that's oh, the one where, the world was so much better without him. Yeah, in it. like if the world if you were never born, mm-hmm. Sam Kinison plays the angel. The world was never born <laughs> if you were never born, Al. Mm. Your wife would be happily married. Your kids would be getting great grades, and they live in a nicer house. And then Al says, "And Tom Kinney's like, well, I fail." And Al's like, "No, fuck it. I want to go back. Screw those guys. <laughs> yeah, I want to make he, them miserable." He goes back to his family because he hates them. That, that's kind of the joke of Married with Children. Um, mm-hmm. You look at the Simpsons, and the, the joke at the end of the day is that they do care about each other. They're mm-hmm. they're boobs, and they get on these weird adventures all the time, but. At the end of the day, they kind of come back to one another. They're still a family unit. Married with Children is just the opposite. It's very British in this regard. Mm -hmm. You put these characters together and they're living in a family unit and they all hate each other. And when you cut through all of that hate, it's just more hate. They just hate each other. They've made commitments and they're stuck together and they appreciate that, Mm. but they hate each other. And uh, that was very novel at the time. Well, and that that was also the premise of Brimstone. The Brimstone, It's a Wonderful Life episode. That's true. That's true. They showed that the devil was trying to show him that the world would have been better without him. So in this episode, Courtney, you know, he's been mayor for a while now and he realizes that nothing's really changed. Nothing big. Nothing major. He's had no major impact and he passes out under one of his bus benches that's covered now mm-hmm. and he wakes up and the bus bench is no longer covered and his mom shows up in you know her her uh, post office van. Whatever. What do you call them? Is there like a word for those? Postal van? Postal van. 
<laughs> Mail delivery truck. But it's not really his mom. It's actually the angel version of his mom. Mm-hmm. And she wants to show no, Because him. they didn't want to hire another actor. <laughs> no, but she's also great. Yeah. I mean, when you want to give if, if you want to give her as much work as you can because she's wonderful. And she just shows him, like, it's just basically, here's what it would be like right now if you were not mayor. Mm-hmm. First off, those bus benches would not be covered. That strike that you stopped would still be going on. Mm-hmm. Gunt would be mayor. Leah Michelle would have followed him down a really very corrupt path with mm-hmm. like a slush fund that gives him all the money he wants, but is denying other people work across town. Um, the your your friends would be con- still be completely aimless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have actually gotten some notoriety out of your campaign, but you would have abandoned your mother and your friends. So you would have become an asshole. Mm. Um, and uh, what he ends up realizing is that all these little things he's done has made people feel better about their town, and that counts. Make people feel better about them t- their town, and I I did like that twist though with him. Okay, that that, so, yeah. that he he himself had he not run for governor would have been a lesser person, like maybe more famous, mm. maybe what he wanted, but uh, uh, would have had no integrity. Yeah, and by going through what he was going through was actually becoming a better person. And he has that moment where he like runs through the town, being mm. really happy, and he ends up there's a lo- live local news segment, mm. and he goes on talking about how I you know I'm I'm gonna keep trying. I feel like I haven't done enough, but I'm doing everything I can. And hey, listen, there's a whole bunch of people down at the at the the youth center or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm gonna go volunteer let's get some volunteers yeah and they just and everyone shows up and it actually just he just inspires people to do something nice even david spade and the best part wouldn't it be great to live in a world where politicians inspired people to do good right they do sometimes (laughs) they they do unfortunately not some of the big ones but they do Mm. the funniest joke in the mayor (laughs) well each episode ends with like the story's over and then there's a little epilogue like a little Mm. joke that has Mm. to do with the story they're usually completely disposable the funniest joke in the mayor and this is something uh i think you brought up uh when the movie nine lives came out oh yeah Mm. The movie Nine Lives, you recall, starred Kevin Spacey (laughs) as uh, basically Donald Trump. (laughs) Uh, And he gets turned into a cat. So you can learn a a lesson about being a good dad. And it occurs to me that there's all these movies about mostly dads Mm. who are really shitty. And then something magical happens to them. They turn into a dog or they become Santa Claus Mm. or something. And they realize that they've been living their life wrong. They've been neglecting their family. They haven't been civic minded enough, whatever it is. Mm. And they become a better person. And I want in a movie like that. So we're like, you know, Tim like, Allen to become like, a... Oh, no, you're a squirrel. It's yeah, like, Tim Allen becomes a squirrel, and his oh. neighbor sees the squirrel doing something weird. It's like, Tim, is that you? Listen, this happens to everyone when they hit their 40s. <laughs> Every we, suburban dad in their 40s goes through this. We don't so, talk about it, because it's kind of embarrassing. It's like male pattern baldness or erectile dysfunction, so we don't talk about it. So go go down to the house at the end of the block. Every Friday, we have meetings. We talk about it. We help each other out. There's going to be a llama down there. It's weird, but don't worry about just, it. That's just Sam. Trust yeah. us, the... Quickest way to this is accept that you're a squirrel and hang out with your family and then everything will be okay. And I want to make something abundantly clear. There's nothing wrong with male pattern baldness. There's, <laughs> and there's nothing really that wrong with erectile dysfunction. Although if you're worried about it, go see a doctor. I, there's there, no there judgment there. Yeah. There's no judgment there. I just want to make that clear. I don't make anyone feel bad about themselves. But like, yeah, it's just, it's a thing that happens to so many characters. And the gag in the mayor is that 
every Christmas, an angel visits David Spade <laughs> and forces him to do something magical, and, and he, he goes, never and he gets goes, an epiphany. He goes through it, and he never learns his lesson. It's yeah, like, he's, oh, been turned, so, he's been turned into a woman. He's been turned into an animal. He visited, like, found out what happened if he'd never been born. Like, yeah, I visited I visited my future. I know, I, look, I know all of this. Every Christmas, I see, hear from one of you people. It's like, if you're going to turn me into a woman again, I have this catalog. Can you turn me into this woman? She's pretty hot. It's and then like, Nicole Brown just looks, at, looks up at this guy and says, we agree he's going to hell, right? Okay, yeah, okay fine. fine. And they we're, just don't do it anymore. not saving him. <laughs> and I, I have a feeling that David Spade improvised that. Even, but even if he didn't, that is a hilarious it's bit. Such a good joke. Yeah, that really, it really. <laughs> all, think, all those movie plots happened to me, and I've learned nothing. I, I again, I don't actually know because uh, there's one more episode we were able to see, mm. and then there were three others uh, that we didn't. I don't know what happens mm. in those episodes, but if the Christmas episode had been the last one, it actually would have been very satisfying because mm. it just would have been about the successes, the small successes of local politics building into big successes, and that's mm. really, really great. But the last episode that we were able to see mm. uh, is called Mama Rose Best. And in this episode, uh, Courtney Rose realizes that people don't really trust him. Mm. They don't trust him to follow through on his promises. And Th- this was the uh, uh, plot of an episode of The Critic, by the way. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, so in order to get people to trust him, he gets his mother on that local talk show. And Leah Michelle is constantly trying to coach her. And she's like, I know, I know my son. I know how to do all this. And she ends up confessing that she didn't even vote for her own son, which, mm. of course, breaks her son's heart and makes it feel like no one can trust him. And it just completely ruins this initiative he has to improve retirement centers. <laughs> and like, like it's a noble thing, but because he's not trustworthy, he can't get it done. Well, uh, Bob Gunt uh, uh, puts, uh, David Spade puts out a, a, an ad using the same old people mm. that Courtney Rose had in his ad, which is really, really funny, talking about how, listen, we love our elderly citizens, but this is a bad uh, this is a bad bill because it doesn't directly go to the citizens. It goes into a fund that can then be used to help them, and there's no guarantee. Do you trust your mayor? And the answer to a lot of people is no. So mom goes on TV, screws up Royal. Hmm. There's a good conversation that she has with someone was like, I didn't vote for you because you didn't want to be mayor and you were doing it for the wrong reasons. Hmm. You're doing a good job now. I would have voted for you now, but back then, of course I didn't vote for you. Yeah, yeah. you 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 didn't want to be mayor. You didn't vote for you. And he's right. Hmm. Um so so that's the other thing. And then the weird ending is they put together a video of just home movies hmm. of him bonding with his mother and her saying variations on, you're a good boy and I trust you. And it works out really, really great. People vote for the measure. I like the thing that they reiterate a bunch of times. This is even, this is a special election. There's not a lot of voter turnout. It really could just boil down to just a few votes. Yeah, just getting people. So like literally. Of, like like li- 10 extra people could really push this Literally over. every person who votes counts, which is true in elections. Mm-hmm. And it really does matter. And I like that that was a message. And everyone like says at the end, like, yeah, I didn't feel like I could trust him. But then I saw that great uh, video of him with his wife. And everyone's just like, oh, that's really well, weird something you didn't mention is is his mom is only 16 years older than he is yeah she had him in high school yeah. um so it's 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 plausible mm. um they 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 look great together <laughs> uh but uh yeah so there's this weird joke to end the to end what we were able to see the series on uh the series continued with a show called the lockdown in which a mysterious package is delivered to city hall and they're might uh, okay. be something bad. And I, one um, of these was directed by Jay Tr- Chandrasekhar, who we, yeah. we've interviewed before. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like Jay Chandrasekhar. Yeah. He did uh, the, 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 the the Broken Lizard movies. Yes, Super Troopers. That's what I was uh, yeah, he's a member of Broken Club Lizard. Uh, he did the Dukes of Hazard movie. <laughs> oh, God. 
So, um, weird choice. There was another episode called The Pitch, uh, in which Courtney is invited to throw out the first pitch, but does like a really bad job, and it's a joke. That's an embarrassing. Uh, and then... It sounds like uh, a, Well, whatever. <laughs> um, and then uh, the last episode, episode 13, uh, which would have been the last episode of the series, is a councilman dies, and Courtney has to... Uh, uh, mm. <laughs> help put someone on the council and he puts up one of his friends as well uh and th- those episodes were on hulu and then they were taken off so we weren't we, we weren't able we to did see what we could in okay. this case um but yeah it, I, if the mayor had lasted a hundred mm-hmm. episodes um i think well first off you would have had a lot more local civics stuff mm-hmm. you would have gone through re-election processes you would oh, have potentially you seen him go on to other uh, realms of politics running mm-hmm. for governor you know, yeah. hell, if it had gone on a really long time, it ends with him running for president. Why not? <laughs> um, but um, I mean, the formula of the show is so simple, yet very effective. He tries to do the right thing. Mm. He overdoes it. It leads to comic situations. And in the end, a good compromise is reached. Now, here's the thing. It's it, it's lightly funny. There's I mean, there's a lot that's broad in it, but it's not so broad as to be like slapstick or mm-hmm. satirical. It's actually a very earnest show. Yeah. Uh, and it's earnest about um, the way city politics functions. Yes. That's a really hard sell. It is. Uh, it, it, no matter how fun or light it is, no matter how much we we kind of it seems like we were kind of jiving I, jiving I, I, with the I show dug a little it bit. Enough, yeah. uh, no matter how much it accomplished, it's still going to be difficult to sit down on a weekly basis and watch a show about like the details of a city council. It feels like you're and eating your broccoli. More or less. It's yeah. it's a show of, it's a, a comedy about doing homework. Yeah. And nobody wants to do that homework and especially when you can turn on cable TV and see these like really broad shows about po- politicians who are murdering each other and sex and scandal. Here's a show that doesn't have scandal at all. Not it's just a meaningful about, way. Yeah. It's just about trying to do local politics well, and because you're so bored by that in school, I feel people like don't want to tune into that. So I think I think, I think it's doing a lot really right, mm-hmm. and that's its downfall. I, I agree with you. I think it's probably felt like when they were making it, like there's this is the perfect time for this show, mm-hmm. and on some well levels it is, but because of the tone of it more than anything else. I think people weren't really in the mood. I think that if you had taken the basic premise of this, someone someone runs for mayor, not really intending to win, mm-hmm. doing it for their own selfish reasons and then becoming mayor anyway. I think if you had taken this and made an hour-long, somewhat serious drama out of it, I think yeah. it would have really responded. Because it would have been like, no, okay, like we're an, actually an like Aaron really... Sorkin sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Or, or at least a David E. Kelly kind of the practice. No, yeah, yeah, like yeah. some light humor, but we, we are telling serious stories. Mm. I think there's a real... There's a real great concept here and a real great message here that can be very entertaining and can illuminate an important part of people's daily lives that they don't talk about enough mm-hmm. and they don't think about enough a lot of the time. And that might have been more effective if we were able to get people like sort of dramatically compelled to watch every episode because it had been like this serious, you know, tense, maybe not tense, but mm. a serious drama because it's a, a sitcom. It ends up feeling incredibly fluffy. Mm. And I think some people were probably eager to reject that, given just how cynical politics mm. looks right now. Mm. And I, I can appreciate that. I think a th- lot of the leads are really, really good. But one of the other things I think keeps the show from really feeling like it was definitely going to have legs is 
an ensemble cast that always has something to do. This is a very, you know, like you look at Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you can do an entire episode about each individual character and they're strong enough to carry their own show. Mm. You see that also with news radio or Mm. Cheers or any sort of... I mean, heck, Star Trek. Star Trek is another good one. Seinfeld. Oh, oh, look, a Geordi episode. We're going to have an episode just about Geordi. Here, not all of the characters feel that strong. I feel like you could, obviously you have episodes about Courtney and it's fine. I feel like Mm. you could definitely do an episode about his mom. That's fine. Leah Michelle, she's good at what she does. I like her as a performer, but and they try to like give her like some real backstory, talk about her divorce, mm. and but ultimately she's not driving the show, and her story arc is kind of over. Well, she's the straight man for the yeah. for the series, and she's, you need that. She, but so either I feel like she should have been even bitterer. I feel like you Maybe. needed a David Spade type in that role. Maybe. That somebody somebody bad. who's like, I'm going to go in here because you're going to screw everything up. Mm-hmm. I don't have any faith in you. I'm going to teach you about how this crap actually works and is kind of annoyed when he succeeds, but sticks around because he is succeeding. And same thing with David Spade. Mm. I think by the end of the series, they have made him just such a villain. Mm. Not, not evil, evil, but a bad guy. That I think maybe it would have behooved them to show a bit more shading of like why he got into politics, something mm-hmm. like that, so that you would have more to play with, and so he wouldn't just be fulfilling this role in every episode. Yeah. And the same, and, and I'll I'll give a, a big shout out because I think they're just super fucking charming mm-hmm. uh, to to Marcel Spears and Bernard David Jones who play TK and Jermaine. They're delightful. They're mm-hmm. really charming, fun psychic characters. They never elevate above that. Yeah, in this, I mean, I'm sure they would have. Well, they would have tried over I time. I understand. But like, what, I understand the dynamic they're trying to go. The, those yeah. guys are his past, and Leah Michelle is sort of his future, like his childhood yeah. and his adulthood. Sort of like the 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 voices he's constantly in this show, quite literally torn between. Sure. Um, but yeah, because they act behave as sort of ciphers for the lead character, you're right. They don't emerge as their own. And this, units. and this is not terrible. This I'm just saying this might be one of the reasons why people weren't connecting with it super fast. And when we talked about uh, the, the show Selfie, and we talked about that with Sam Levine, who was part of that cast, we talked about how comedies are really tricky to judge in their infancy because mm-hmm. people are still figuring everything out. The characters are still evolving. The character David Spade was in the pilot is not the character David Spade was in the Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. That's a somewhat different take. That would have changed over the course of a season, would have over the course of the whole series. Hmm. But this is what we got. And honestly, the show was canceled too soon. I like the show fine. <laughs> I think it's got a good heart. I think yeah. it's got a sweet cast. The the structure works and you can kind of put any problem well, in it and it would be a decent story. I think this is a this is a good, maybe not amazing, but a good sitcom. And I'm bummed out it didn't uh, get a bigger audience. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was canceled too soon, and especially because you know, once they get to episode 100, once they start going on for a few seasons, they are going to have to deal with some more serious issues. There's no issues of death in the mayor. Well, they like, did get to the city councilman dying, but that's an episode we well, didn't but see. That, that, I'm sure it's like in a comic way. The city councilman died. Oh no, now mm-hmm. we have to go to a funeral and he like slips and knocks over the coffin. It's going to be a slapstick something. Yeah. Like the actual, you know, death in a community or crime in a community, something dark happens in your community. And if you're a politician, 
that's going to make your job a heck of a lot harder. And you know they would have to do that eventually. They would have had to skew the show a little bit more serious as it went on just by necessity. And that's something that we saw on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, in, mm-hmm. just in the last season, there was an episode in which, you know, it's a light show about cops mostly doing funny things, solving mm-hmm. funny crimes. But there was an episode in which one of the cops in, in the precinct mm-hmm. was on duty and on site in an active shooter incident. Mm. And that's a really heavy topic. And they handled it beautifully (laughs) because it was all about everyone waiting to find out how she was Mm. and how they dealt with the tension and the feeling of helplessness and how they were trying to come together Mm. at that time. You can tell that kind of serious story in a sitcom environment and still have an entertaining mm. episode of television. It doesn't have to be like the mo- the dreariest thing mm. ever. Like the, there would have been a great episode of the mayor. And this is the one I see in my head. I don't know why this came. Uh, d- there's a, a man in the community. He's mentally ill and he tries to kill the mayor. He tries to assassinate the mayor mm-hmm. and he's, and he's apprehended and he's thrown in prison. And there's going to be a great scene where he gets to talk to the guy in prison mm-hmm. and finds out what's going on and tries to reach out about mental illness and how people don't want him to do that because it takes too much money. Or maybe he tries to get to the gun control lobby and he learns about, you know, the power yeah. of the gun lobbies in his local town. There's the, a lot of serious things that he can unlock. And the, I think that they were going to get to that. Well, that's the, the thing. Is, I, th- I think they're starting super small because you can't go back to that after you go big. Mm-hmm. And once he has like a foundation, oh, and, and, you can't, and you can't go to that too early in the show yeah, either. You yeah, have you to want, sort of establish the roots. First. You want to have a foundation where you need to teach him the basic elements of civic activism mm-hmm. and get let him get kind of good at it. And then once he's good at it, because that's the problem with a lot of like a lot of shows, I think particularly sitcoms, where the premise is something that can be solved too easily or too <laughs> yeah. quickly. And then what have you got afterwards? Mm. So here, it's like the ma- the mayor, the joke is that he's not experienced. Well, after three years, he kind of is. So yeah. what do you do? So that? you need yeah. to you need to give him something he's not experienced at. And so you start off with these little things. You start off with covering bus benches, mm. saving a music program, that kind of thing. Important things, but small things in the grand scheme. And then by the end of like the probably the last two-part episode of the full season if they had gone there might have been him actually tackling something kind of serious like gun control or like drugs or Mm. or something genuinely major and that sets the stage for every time he gets good at something he he realizes now he has the skills to tackle something even harder Mm. and that would lead to him potentially becoming governor or becoming president someday again. It could have. It or, wouldn't be the craziest thing ever. Or being like, in the eyes of the public, he's just a hated figure, and now he has to do his job without any public support whatsoever. Yeah. Hmm. There's you so many. Yeah. That. There's a lot. A lot you could have done with this, and the show had a lot of potential. So yeah, yeah it, it was definitely canceled too. Soon. Yeah. So um, it's currently available. Again, you have to pay for it, and that's that's fine. It's worth it. Um, it's it's on YouTube uh, for sale. It is on Amazon. Uh, instant for for sale um and yeah it's a nice program and if it sounds like something you'd enjoy i highly recommend checking it out but next week mm. <laughs> one of my favorite things i already said i love halloween episodes uh-huh. we do a whole halloween month hooray it's scary tober i'm super stoked and we are gonna get started with a show that i only recently learned about mm. and i'm I'm mad because it should have been my jam forever. I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but it is a horror spinoff of Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. Mm. People remember Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. It was on cable TV in the 80s. The, the wonderful Shelley Duvall played basically Mother Goose, mm. and she introduced a whole bunch of fairy tales, and they were live action stories with all star casts. 
And they were a delight. And a lot of them, you can still see a lot of them online. And they're really, really wonderful. They tried to do a horror spinoff called Nightmare Classics based on, you know, the turn of the screw and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm. They lasted four episodes. That's it. Just four. They were supposed to be eight and they only got through four because they decided it was a bad idea. I haven't seen it. I am so excited. I hope it's good. And if it's bad, I hope it's interestingly bad so we can talk about it. Uh, But we have a bunch of really, really cool stuff coming up. In the month of October, horror-themed shows, including one of the most uh, uh, famous Cancel Too Soon shows of all time. We're finally going to get to it, and we're going to do it in October because it's thematically appropriate. Um, You can probably already guess what it is. You can probably guess what maybe the most famous Cancel Too Soon horror show of all time is. Mm. If you can't, you're going to learn about it, and I'm looking forward to to getting to that for you. Um, Also, don't forget, we are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Cancelled Too Soon. Cancelled always has one L. and our Patreon subscribers will help us uh, by voting for an episode of the show every single month. And in October, what you get to vote for is actually an episode of our bonus podcast, which is available only for Patreon subscribers. That is the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. We are going to be reviewing a made-for-TV horror movie made by a famous director. And it's a movie that a lot of people have heard of. So the options are... Each one of these is is directed by a really well-known horror or genre director mm-hmm. uh, but it, they're TV movies made earlier in their career so you probably haven't heard of the movie yeah. or in but the middle of the- it but like the, the point is you haven't heard of these films probably and oh. the films are and again uh, the poll will be up on Patreon in a day or two mm-hmm. uh, your choices are Chiller starring Wes uh, starring directed by Wes Craven mm-hmm. uh, about a guy who cryogenically freezes himself and wakes up without a soul <laughs> <laughs> oh Wes Craven uh, I am dangerous tonight, which is about a haunted dress. A dress made from a witch's robe. And it's and it's directed by Toby Hooper from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist. Uh, there's something evil. Uh, it is a haunted house movie directed by Steven Spielberg, starring the kid who would go on to star in A Talking Cat. Okay. The kid from Sigma the Sea Monster. Yeah. Um, uh, it is, is, there's, mm. I've seen this one. There's a reason you haven't heard of it. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> uh, and also, Someone's Watching Me, a stalker film directed by John Carpenter right at the beginning of his career. Mm. Uh, so those are your options. We're going to review one of those in the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. We also have a bonus episode of our show, Only the Best, uh, coming out in the next couple of days. Only the Best is a Patreon-only podcast in which Whitney and I review every single nominee for best picture in order that's right and there's uh there's a bunch of interesting ones in this episode and i actually have to go to the ucla library to view one of them tomorrow because that's the only way you can find it I, i've seen that one already yeah, so. you already went but yeah. like yeah it's it's, it's yeah, pretty I went down to the archive it's cool stuff i'm glad we live nearby mm. um so uh uh can i, can need... I read one or two letters uh, yeah, yeah I, I, we're, we're, you, we're, you have to go to work i have to go so. to work pretty soon so let me let's read one or two letters just so we're not completely letter free absolutely and we'll, we'll catch up a bit in the mm. next episode because yeah, there are only four episodes of nightmare uh, classics uh, but again you can email us cancel too soon at gmail.com uh this is a letter from Lindsay. hello Lindsay. hi uh greetings to you bibs and that rascal whitney as well <laughs> oh great i'm, I'm glad i'm your afterthought uh i just finished listening to the emily's reasons why not episode in the episode bibs stated that he wasn't especially fond of seinfeld the series and had some really complete compelling reasons as to why i was wondering how y'all feel about what i consider to be the pokemon evolution of seinfeld it's always sunny in philadelphia mm. in my opinion i think a lot of bibs points about seinfeld apply to this show as well the quote protagonist 
podcasts are a bunch of self-serving assholes who rarely face any real comeuppance. I personally hate that I like this show as much as I do. What are your thoughts on It's Always Sunny? Uh, that is, well, that's very appropriate mm. given I just tried you it just out that same talking that, yeah. point. Um, to answer your question, I actually have the same problem with It's Always Sunny. And in fact, whereas I f- fully appreciate the comedic structure of Seinfeld, mm. especially in like seasons like three, four and five, where the stories weave in and out of each other in this really fascinating way. Mm. It's it's uh, the, 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 the damn outlines must have been impossible. Like mm. I admire it. I don't feel that way about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. In fact, every episode I've ever seen, it's just monsters being monstrous. Mm. And well, I'm not an, I've never really been in a position where I thought that was really funny. And to be perfectly honest, I've seen quite a few episodes mm. of It's Always Sunny. Quite a few. I've had a lot of friends who are big fans of it, roommates, etc. And I don't recall laughing. Ooh, okay. Like, ever. I Maybe once. Like, I just didn't think it was funny. That is probably a matter entirely of taste, but that's my taste. I don't care for it. Whitney? I right. uh, haven't seen it. I can't, ah, I can't comment okay. on it. Um, I have seen Seinfeld, and I think both shows, uh, if I can comment on a show I haven't seen, sure. uh, is that they're, they serve primarily as, as sort of antidotes to uh, a more traditional structure. Mm. The, the whole idea with, uh, with Seinfeld, and this is something that they actually pitched it as, is it's going to be a sitcom with no messages, with no lessons. Well, it was with no premise. Like, there was no fundamental... The, 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 what they kept saying is it's a show about nothing. And, and that's not ever but, what it's but been something, about. But something they said in the, in the writer's room is that, but they said, you know, no hugs, no, mes- no big cathartic moments, that these people don't learn lessons. And that's kind of... An antidote to the way most shows are structured. We were just talking about the mayor. He learns a little something at the end of every episode. Mm. The whole joke of Seinfeld is that they never learn anything, that they're just as horrible at the end as they are at the beginning, maybe even more so. And I can kind of, I see it with Seinfeld because I can kind of get into the headspace of the creators. I can understand what it's an antidote to. If I was completely unfamiliar with sitcoms, I might hate those characters. Mm-hmm. But I can see Seinfeld for the satire that it but is. But I think, I think Seinfeld is one of those shows that has taken on a life of its own, perhaps separate from the show's creators. Because mm-hmm. I think the show's creators, at least some of them, mm-hmm. kind of understand where I'm coming from. Those characters wind up in jail. They're, they're at so, the end of the series, they, they are punished they, at the they end. They go on trial and they're punished. And the they're whole, punished just for being jerks. The whole point of their characters is that they're they're shallow jerks, mm-hmm. and they're, I know that lot, they're all terrible people. And I know, and I know, a lot of people rejected that finale because that wasn't why they liked it. They thought they were these were like charming, funny, aspirational characters, or, or worse, that they like yeah, we see ourselves in them. Mm. And I'm just like, nah, I don't, I, I'm, I don't. I don't think find you're that, supposed to be a little embarrassed about. I think that, we should you know. be a little embarrassed by it. This is my take on Seinfeld. Um, uh, but again, you know, know a, lot lot of, a lot of shows at the time, Married with Children, we were just talking about, is also a, I, sort of a spoof of that that wholesome... Married with Children All keeps, in the family thing. Married with Children mm. keeps its characters down. Yeah. Married with Children, like, like beats them down. Like, in, like every episode is an O. Henry story. But the, just keeps them down. The Seinfeld, pro- the problem, these the problem guys with just Married with Children, though, is people, people kept looking at those characters on Married with Children and started seeing them as kind of heroic in this way. Well, they're heroic because they keep trying. But, like, mm. that's still not great. Mm. Seinfeld, they're just validated or vindicated or let off the hook constantly until that final episode. Mm. And I think a lot of people respond to that, and that's I reject that. That's that's not for me. Yeah. Uh, but I do appreciate that there's a lot of quality work that goes into it. It's just the kind of humor that doesn't appeal to me. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I feel the same way. Well, Curb Your Enthusiasm is aggressive in, in how yeah. dour it is. It's but, yeah. mean. It's a mean it's a, it's show. It's a really mean-spirited show. I can't 
get into that. By, by I, design, that's not an accident. Yeah, of course, and I appreciate that, and I'm not going to accuse them of like mm. not doing what they intended to set out to do well. It's just what they intended to set out to do mm. is the opposite of what I like yeah. in comedy. So, no. there you go. Um, Let's you, do one or two more. Here's another letter. This comes from Chris. I love that we're getting letters from people who are going through like our back catalog. Yeah. So, we're actually getting letters about like older episodes, and they're all out of order. I like that. Um, uh, oh, well, my name is Chris, and here's my letter. That's the way it starts. Awesome. Uh, dear William, Whitney and William, thank you for introducing me to great and wonderful the great and wonderful John Eric Hexum in, in your Voyagers episode. <laughs> I'm halfway through the series and hell yes, it was canceled too soon. And I nominate the two of you to reboot or continue the series. <laughs> Please continue the Hexum love and, and cover, cover up ASAP. The more John Eric Hexum, the better. Yeah. Cover up is again, cover up is a show that mm. the great John Eric Hexum was in, but it got canceled really quickly because he died. And so mm. It's not really fitting the theme because it died because it ended because of tragedy, but not, not because it yeah blew its shot. That said, I really want to see it, and we'll probably get to it at some point mm. because I love me some John Eric Hexum. Uh, what oh god, like what a handsome man, right? And talented, <laughs> he's very charming, very talented, charming. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, a, also, Chris Carter month. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, that's only a matter of time. List: Harsh Realm, mm-hmm. Lone Gunman, Yep, The After, Yep. Uh, a space and above, a space above and beyond. The creators uh, Glenn Morgan and James Wong uh, and many cast and crew from the X Files alumni made that show, so it fits perfectly. Okay, all right. That's. Yeah. I feel like there's another one he might have executive produced as yeah. well. But yeah, okay, that's, that's not bad. Uh, he says, "Wonderfalls is my dream cancel too soon show." We're saving it for We're a special occasion. It. Uh, thank you for the weekly Star Trek love. <laughs> Wait a minute, I didn't mention Star Trek, did I? Did didn't you? Oh, I think I did. Well, now you have. Now I have. Okay. We like Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek is great. Except for the new one. That new one sucks. <laughs> Star Trek Discovery sucks. I'll just say it out loud. Um, FYI, I'm not sure if it helps you, but here's how I came to know it and follow you. William Bibiani and Ryan Turek's 12 Days of Killness Yay! on YouTube brought me to the B-Movies podcast and now here and to social media and to my dreams. Uh, keep up the great work. And if that's not okay, I'll, I'll be here to listen what you will. And there, he includes, let me show you on my phone here. There's a picture of John Eric Hexum that he attached oh, to the letter. He's, he's a dash <laughs> handsome man is what he is. Mm. Um, here's one I want to talk about because it's from about a more recent episode mm. um, uh, from Adam. Okay. Uh, Dear Sir Bibbs and Don Whitney. I'm a, I'm a Don now. Yeah. Okay. In the Living Biblically episode, you raised the question of origins of clerical celibacy in the Catholic Church. Oh, okay. Uh, Living, Living Biblically is a show we just reviewed. If you missed that episode, it's mm. about a guy who tries to live his life 100% by the Bible. We ended up having to talk about a lot of religious issues. Whitney and I mm. have varying degrees of knowledge about yeah, the ins and outs of religion. Yeah. Um, so this is this is could be really informative. So All thank right. you for this. Uh, well, there are at least two trains of thought when it comes to this subject. The mm. idealistic one, suggested by Whitney, says that wicked ways of the flesh distract from quote more important life issues like prayer, work, and studies. Mm. The more cynical way, however, that I personally find closer to the truth, states that the reason for celibacy lies in the very nature of the feudal system. It required from every landowner to divide his possessions between his sons. Since priests had no land of their own, they would have had to share the land belonging to the church, which was simply bad business. I see so, that. Okay. okay. So you would have had to will the church's lands to your heirs. And you can't and, do and, that. And you essentially would be setting up a royal, uh, like your own personal royalties within the church. Yeah. Yeah. The Catholic Church in general, but especially in the Middle Ages, was all about gathering wealth. That's why, for example, the Franciscan mm. order was seen as dangerous and potentially heretic because they claimed that priests should be poor and have no earthly possessions. 
Okay. All right. Inter- so, that, that's an interesting take. Thank re- you for that. Revolutionary poverty. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and now here's a second for a request. We get a lot of these. Uh-huh. I just recently <laughs> heard about this sitcom called Aliens in America. It lasted for one season in 2007, <laughs> 2008. The premise sounds awful. Uh-huh. A, a married couple invites an exchange student to their home because they believe that having a foreign friend would make their son look cooler. However, instead of a white English kid, a Muslim kid arrives at their door mm. and the hijinks ensue. Dear God. Did you hear about tasteless at all? Did you hear about the show? It sounds offensive as hell. Mm. You can find all the episodes online. Okay, yeah, that sounds really quite offensive. Um, so, so we're definitely doing it. You know, when you dig into the past, <laughs> mm. the past is always more ignorant than the present. And that's how it should be. It should get progressively well, better over time, right? But, but here's the thing. The present is equally ignorant in many cases. That's true, but it's because supposed to I keep getting better, isn't it? People try to, especially when it comes to sitcoms and comedies, are trying to make jokes about something really topical, not really realizing what a serious issue it is yet. Mm-hmm. And, and like, oftentimes it's the wrong people yeah. telling the story in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen this show. I cannot speak to this show. But we have seen so many shows mm-hmm. that tackle issues really badly. Cough, the 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage. <laughs> Cough. <laughs> We haven't even we have, oh. we haven't still haven't been able to locate the secret diaries of Desmond Pfeiffer. But yeah, not in its entirety. And that, that's ca- that's in that's in our future. That's as soon as we can find a, it, <laughs> I remember watching some of that when it came out. It was gross oh, it's then. so bad. It was gross then, and it's gross now. It's gross and it's bad. It's and both of those. Uh, uh, but like even on our other show, only the best. We're watching a lot of the best picture nominees from the dawn mm. of the Academy. This is 1929. We're we're just hitting 1932 right now. Or 31. Uh, well, some one of them. It was the first in the middle. Sorry. Mm. In the first few years of the Academy, it wasn't cut off every year. Yeah, it was so August like, to August. So it was like, so yeah. yeah, so like half the year and the other half of the year. So like the best picture nominees on any one of those years could be from 31 or 32, for example. And uh, we, we're about to review one that is calamitously racist. <laughs> oh, yes. Just so racist you can't even believe it. Like, wow, you pointed a camera at that. You wrote those you, lines, you did you? You thought that was fine. Like, and we've already mm-hmm. reviewed one or two, but like this one's the the grossest Mm. by far and we have to talk about it Mm. um i don't recommend everyone seek it out (laughs) i don't recommend everyone seek a lot of the things that we watch Mm. on these shows out this is our job (laughs) you don't have to if we recommend it go see it this is the train we stepped in front of this is not yours you you do not have to you do not have to watch Mm. everything that's that's our (laughs) job it sounds like an easy job Mm. sometimes it is Often it's not. Yeah. But uh, that is it for Cancel Too Soon, everybody. Uh, hopefully, Nightmare Classics will not be a nightmare mm. and will, in fact, be a classic. But we will find out and we'll review a whole bunch of other horror-themed television shows all throughout mm. Scary-tober. Thank you. Uh, in particular, thank you to every one of our patrons mm. on patreon.com slash Cancel Too Soon. Uh, your support and your enthusiasm and your votes when we have uh, our polls every single month, they really help keep us going and they really help us stay excited about this really bizarre thing <laughs> this that we project do. that we've been doing for the last couple of years. Yeah, we didn't think anyone would be interested and it turns out quite a some, few people Some are. of you are and we, we appreciate that. That means everything. And if you can't afford to support us on Patreon, we totally get it. Just keep, just keep listening. Write write a review if you have a few minutes. Like yeah. If you go on uh, iTunes and write a review, that actually helps us a lot. Yeah, uh, it helps it, other people find it. It, it helps boost us up in algorithms. It, yeah, it pushes us up on some kind of list and other people can find us. So, uh, yeah, if, if you want to support that way, we greatly appreciate it. Or if you just want to keep on listening. 
That would That's be great, too. too. Um, but thank you very much for listening. We will see you uh, later, I guess later this week. I don't know, depending yeah. on what episode comes out. Uh, but the first week of October, we will be back with a review of Nightmare Classics. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And that is a wrap. We'll see you next season. <laughs>